Zechariah chapter 4. Go there with me in the Word of God. Zechariah chapter number 4. If you're not near a Bible, we'll make the passage of Scripture available to you so that no one will be without the Word of God so that you can follow along as I read. Zechariah chapter number 4, verse number 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep, said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. And to olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone therewith, thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts have sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Let the church say amen. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to preach with us, saith the Lord. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. Help us to not just hear it, but heed it. Help us to be different than what we were before we came. We love you and we bless you. If anyone doesn't know Christ as Savior, might that one come to a saving knowledge of the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We've spent several weeks in this passage. Here's the theme. By my spirit. By my spirit. This is God speaking. That the work that we do for him. The work that must be accomplished for him. The work that brings him glory. Must be done through the power of his spirit. Why does he have to say that? He has to say that because human nature says the opposite. We, we live in a society that tells you, you know, you, you do you, you do what you're thinking, you only live once, you focus on yourself, you can do anything you make your mind up to do, you find the champion inside of you, you believe in yourself, you platform yourself, you put a proper image of yourself, you set your mind to it, anything you want to be in the world, you can be. Listen, let me tell you, first of all, that ain't true. Sometimes you got to wake up to the reality. Something I want to be, I can't be. 
Okay? So the reality of I can't be everything I want to be ought to set in, but the reality ought to be also that I want to be everything God wants me to be. And what God wants me to be, who he wants me to be, what he wants me to do, what he wants to accomplish in me. Jeremiah gives us a great picture of this in Jeremiah chapter number one, when God says, to, before, I, before I formed you, I knew you, amen, and ordained to be a prophet to the people. So, so God gives us some aspects that he has for us. He gives us personality and he gives us purpose. He says, before I formed thee, that's my personality. He says, but I, I knew thee, that's my personality. He said, I ordained thee, that's my purpose. Listen, when, when, when who you are comes together with why you are, God can do something. See, who you are is your personality. Why you are is your purpose. Can I tell you that you're sitting here at Crossroads Baptist Church this morning, 5811 Hoffman's Lane, Bayless Crossroads, Virginia, 22041. You may not know everything that's going on in your life. You may have got up and said, I just need to go to church. I haven't been to church in a while. I, this is my church. I'm, I'm just going. I mean, I need to get my week started off well. But I want to tell you something. While you're sitting here at 1159 a.m. in March of 2023, there is a God in heaven who put the stars in place and the moon in space and the sun hanging on nothing. It never falls down. He took from the dust of the ground, formed man, breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life a man became a living soul he's omnipotent all-powerful omniscient all-knowing omnipresent ever at the same time he's immutable he doesn't change he's eternal he was he is and he is to come he parted the red sea he gave blindness he gave the blind sight he gave the deaf hearing he gave the lame walking he gave the dead life again that very god has a purpose for your life you're not you're not an accident you're not just stuff you're not just anatomy. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life. And here's what he's saying. You cannot accomplish that purpose except he do it through you. He says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He was speaking directly to the group of people that was his own chosen people, the Jews. They had been taken away from their land to Babylon. And while they were in Babylon, their temple had been destroyed by their enemies. It was in ruins. It was wrecked. And they came back to that place that was in ruins. They were a remnant and they were a reproach. They were in embarrassment. They were the people of God, but they were broke down. Their building was broke down. Their place of worship was broke down. And it was an embarrassment to claim God as their father and to live in a state of ruin. And let me just say right now, for those of us that walk out here, we put it on our wrist and we tattoo it on our body and we put it on our cars and we put it on Facebook and we put it on Instagram, put it on TikTok, we put our status and we give God shout outs. It's an embarrassment to God to be a child of the living God to live a life in ruin at the same time. I'm not saying that life will be easy. I'm not saying that life will be a bed of roses. But when you got God on your side, if God be for you, who can be against you? And so here they were. Haggai comes in and he's encouraging them to build the temple. And they start building and they start stalling. And all of a sudden their circumstances begin to overshadow their cause. And now they're using their circumstances as an excuse not to accomplish the work of God. I wonder who's sitting in the building today. And you've rationalized in your mind, I can't be what God wants me to be because of my money, because of my relationships, because of my habits, because of my past, because of my generational curses. All these things that are happening in life, and I can't be what I want to be because I've got too many circumstances going on. I'm trying to tell you, your circumstances are not bigger than God's power. And so Zachariah's coming along to, 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 to wake them up, to tell them, listen, this job can get done. This temple can be rebuilt. And by the way, in the back of their minds, this new temple ain't going to be like the other temple. You look at Haggai, you look at Zechariah, and they say the former won't be as good as, I mean, the, 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 the new one won't be as good as the former temple. So some were thinking, even if we do rebuild it, it ain't going to be good as the other one was. And God said, no, it's going to be even better. 
Do you believe in your life today that with God, that your future can be better than your past? Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's give God the praise for that. Now listen, preaching is not motivational speaking in and of itself, but when you get good preaching, it ought to motivate you. Amen. I'm not here to just pump you up and get you zazzed up and excited and all of that. And then you go out into the world and find out that everything I said dies out. No, 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 no. This is not a pep rally. But listen to me. When you get around Jesus, it will pep some in your rally. Listen, I'm just telling you, you're not saved because you feel good. But being saved does feel good. Amen. Emotions don't determine I'm a child of God. But I tell you, being a child of God sure makes me emotional. You don't build your life on your passions. But you ought to be passionate about the Jesus that you built your life on and I'm not here to tell you just tell you you can go out there and live any way you want to live and everything will be fine but I am here to tell you that I believe enough in the God of heaven and the God of this Bible if I didn't believe this book that we put up on the screen that I'm preaching from I wouldn't be pastoring a church I wouldn't even be at church if I didn't believe the Bible I wouldn't come to church I certainly wouldn't get up early at four o'clock in the morning get on my knees and pray and come down and put a suit on put it in the cleanings and come in and put a tie on and something in my pocket and a handkerchief if I didn't believe God was real but let me tell you something I believe he's real. listen what they sang about him a few moments ago go he has been faithful in my moments of fear when I failed him when I wasn't what I supposed to be he has been faithful and if he was faithful then he's faithful now now he's got to find some people some men women boys and girls in 2023 yeah I know what's going on in the world just like you do there's wars there's rumors of wars there's terrorism there's dictators there's despots there's narcissists there's leaders who are full of themselves there's same-sex marriage there's abortion going on run amok there's differences in politics there's racism there's isolation there's hatred there's all kinds kinds of degradation. There's every kind of religion you can think of that has nothing to do with God and everything to do with man and this is the world that we're living in. But I'm telling you, stack it all up on one side and put God on the other side and he still outdoes them all. This is, it's, a, it's a dependency issue. We, 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 have, we have fallen prey to cowardice. We, we, we've actually started believing like like, they outmatch God. He said, Pastor, I don't believe that. You wouldn't say it because you know so many people that you know and love would tell you you're crazy. But your life says it. The, the demonstration of supposed Christianity in this crazy world makes it look like we don't believe that God can do what he says he can do. Listen, I'm wondering if there's anybody in the building that believes God can do what he says he can do. It says, listen, I'm telling you, you can rebuild that temple. You can be re rebuild your image. God can restore you, Israel. How embarrassing do you think it was for the people of God to be so disobedient to God, to so embracing of idolatry that God raised up wicked people to take them captive? How embarrassing do you think it was for, for Israel to be in Babylon for 70 years because of their disobedience and to come back to a land that was wrecked up and busted? up they were embarrassed but I'm going to tell you what embarrassment is not an excuse not to serve God and there's some people in here listen to your decisions in life have rendered an utter state of embarrassment and the devil specializes please listen he specializes in reminding you of your most embarrassing moments if you don't say amen, let me give you some examples. A failed marriage is embarrassing. Rebellious children, embarrassing. 
a child out of wedlock, embarrassing. Okay? A criminal past, embarrassing. Anybody listening? I, I, I'm talking about situations that he reminds you of uh, uh, fornication and sex outside of marriage, spiritually. Now, to the world, it ain't embarrassing, but to the word, it is. And, and the devil wants to remind you of, of all of this. You lied on someone. You messed up with someone. You didn't do what you say. You, 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 you broke your promises. You, you failed at showing up. You got fired from a job. You cheated on a test. You, you flunked out of a grade. You stayed back in school too long. Told everybody you started kindergarten late. Lying. <laughs> but we ain't going to pick on you because you were embarrassed. Come on. You showed up late somewhere and you missed the appointment and you missed an opportunity because you didn't do what you, you went to a test and didn't study and you failed miserably. You, you snuck out of the house and got embarrassed. You listened to some fool tell you to disobey your parents and didn't tell you the, the consequences. Of, you listened to the devil and tell you to enjoy the places of sin for a season. You woke up to find out that what he tells you on one side of the door doesn't tell you what's on the other side of the door. And now you're sitting here and you're trying to go to church and you're trying to do right and you're trying to fix your life. And every time you try to take two steps forward, the devil reminds you what you used to be and what you used to say and where you used to be and how you used to be used to mess up and all the misery and he brings it up in front of you listen to me you've got to supersede the devil's lies with the principles of the word of God as far as the east is from the west so far if he removed my transgressions from us and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe my heart God raised from the dead I will be saved but even after I'm saved if I confess my sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness he forgives and chooses not to remember our sins you got to quit looking at them listening to him and you got to start looking at him and saying if God be for me who can be against me but I cannot do it through the same flesh that had me making mistakes that I regret I must now live through the power of the spirit of God so he begins with the preparation of the servant and continues with the power that's supplied last week the prominence to that which is small now remember we're 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 looking at a candlestick right Everybody picturing that in your mind? So <clears throat> we got two trees and branches leading from the trees leading to a bowl. And those trees are dumping oil into the bowl. And down from the bowl is being fed into the pipes, right? And those seven pipes are supplying oil so that at the top of those pipes, a candle is lit. Or they call it lamps in scripture, right? You know, old songwriter said, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Listen, you can have a pretty lamp, but the pretty lamp ain't burning if it don't have no oil. And I'm convinced that there are a lot of Christians trying to look pretty, but they're missing the oil. I'd like to ask you, did you spend more time on the, on, on, your, on the outside of your lamp this morning or the oil of your lamp this morning? You may, your outfit may look good, but you might not have no oil. Now here's what's happening in Zechariah chapter 4. God is speaking through Zechariah saying, I'm supplying the oil. This is an example. This is an analogy that God is giving to his people. Listen, he's saying, you don't whip up the oil. You don't manufacture the oil. You don't produce the oil. You are a lamp through which the oil must flow. Isn't that what we say? Let our light so shine. Let my Jesus change your life. Somebody's got to come here and bring, I'm, I'm trying to show you a group of people 
people that was in ruins, that was in remnants, that was a reproach. Those are three R's describing Israel when they got back to uh, Jerusalem. Their land was in ruins, their land was a remnant, and they were a reproach. Those are the three R's. And so don't tell me God can't do nothing with me because I'm such a mess. Look who he was doing something with. Ruins, remnants, and a reproach. So I don't care how bad off you are today. I'm just trying to tell you, you ain't so bad that the oil can't fix you. He's looking for somebody to flow through. Now, what happens? What happens? We saw the power. We saw the oil flowing. It was self-sufficient. It was supernatural. It was steady. But the last part of this chapter really gives us the insignificance of those through whom the oil was flowing. You know, once in a while we start, you know, we start reasoning with God. You know, God, you just, you know, it's like Moses. Like, like, what's his name? Wow, look at that bush. It's burning and it's not consumed. I mean, can you imagine the sight of seeing a bush that kept burning and wouldn't be consumed? We, we read these passages of scripture about burning bush that wasn't consumed. Listen, bushes burn, but eventually bushes get consumed. This was just a flaming bush that would not burn up. Moses had never seen nothing like that before. And by the way, stare at God long enough. You're going to find out. He'll show you some things you've never seen before. What does... What, what do the amazing aspects of God do? They draw you in closer. I don't read the Bible. It's boring. Read it. You will stop saying that. And you may not understand everything about it, but ain't nothing boring about a bush that won't be consumed. Ain't nothing boring about a million and a half people walking across on dry ground. Ain't nothing boring about a man parting the Red Sea. Ain't nothing boring about a blind man getting his sight. Ain't nothing boring about a crazy naked man sleeping in the cemetery getting up with clothes on in his right mind and no more demons inside of him. Listen to me. Ain't, listen, ain't nothing boring about a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years that went to every doctor, spent every dime she had, was getting worse, but touched the hem of Jesus' clothes and got here. I say, ain't nothing, listen, ain't nothing boring about a man been dead for four days, stinking, wrapped up in grave clothes that Jesus calls back to life and he gets up when Jesus and certainly ain't nothing boring about a prophet that's got a donkey that's talking to him. <laughs> See, you gotta read it to get you gotta read it to get drawn in closer. You paying attention? And so we're looking at a group of people that are kind of like Moses. We know what you're saying, but you got the wrong ones. Can you hear Moses? After all of that amazement, wow, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses going, wow, he slips his shoes off. Take your shoes off. The place you're standing on is holy God. Y'all reckon he's convinced that's God? And a few verses later, God says, I want you to go to, to my people Egypt. God can't speak. They're not going to listen to me. Now, God was smart enough to, to wow you with a bush that won't get consumed, but he's smart enough to call you and make sure you can get it done. Now, you trusted God to snatch you out of hell. If you say, I said, you trusted God. You said, I wasn't in hell. You, it was as good as done. Preach, Pastor. You were going, I'm talking about you were, go, you were born headed to hell. From the day you were born until the day you died, you were on a crash course to hell. But Jesus got in the middle of it. Mercy said no. You said yes to his mercy. You got saved. He washed your sins. You got adopted into the family of God, justified as a righteous man that never sinned. You got God living inside of you. You got redeemed. Amen. You got your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. You got a ticket to heaven. 
heaven. Jesus started construction on your property of a mansion in heaven. One day the trumpet's going to sound. You're getting up off the ground. You're going to ever live with the Lord in a place called heaven. You're going to heaven and you trusted God to do that. Now how in the world you can't trust him on the way? I can't preach. I can't live for God. I can't have my marriage right. I can't stay pure until I get married. I can't do right. You couldn't do nothing except for God. But look what God is doing in Zechariah chapter 4. The hands of Zerubbabel. Look at verse 7. Who art thou, O great mountain? We talked about this last week. Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a But This is all talking about the accomplishment of the Spirit of God through the people of God. Here's what he's saying, verse number 7. When you let God's Spirit work through you, mountains in front of you become plains. Now, I want everyone in the building to think about the big enemies in your life that are represented like mountains. Raise your hand, you got some mountains in your life. Come on, tell the truth. And you know what we do all week long? I don't know, this mountain is not going to move. Oh, we, we spend, some, some, some people spend all week, week long talking about the mountain. Oh, the mountain. Oh, the mountain. Get up in the morning. How you doing? Still got that mountain. People don't even want to ask you at church, how you doing? Because you're going to talk about that mountain again. How, how you doing? Still got that mountain. Still got that mountain. Still got that mountain. How was this week? It was good, except for the mountain. <laughs> How was your birthday? It was all, it was, I had a great day. Blew out my candles. As soon as I blew them out, I thought about that mountain still there. <laughs> this is how we live. We become a broken record of all of our trials. As if we're the only ones that have them. Oh, if you were going through what I was going through. Oh, hush. We're all going through something. Here's, here's, here's what the Spirit's accomplishment does. It brings the mountain to a plane. Now listen, here's, here's the problem with motivational preaching, feel-good preaching. You can go to some churches and some preachers will bring you up here. And listen, if I had the power, I sure would. I can't believe that Pastor, Pastor Kenny Ball wouldn't done do healing services. It's not because I don't want to. I'd start. If I had the healing power, I'd tell you where I'd start. Myself. Okay. So... <laughs> You don't think I want the power? <laughs> you don't think I tried? I said, boom, shaka-laka-laka. I said, man, after I got myself together, I felt the same. I'm not trying to make fun of anything, but I am a little perturbed upon, about pastors that claim to have healing power in their hand. Amen. Or Roberts claimed to have healing power and build a hospital. What do you need a hospital for if you got healing power? So this is, the pro- this is the problem with churches that take people that walk in in any kind of lifestyle and just tell them in a matter of moments, if you come up here and let me touch you, everything God wants to give you, he will give you. Here's the problem. God can give him anything he wants to, but he ain't giving it just to anybody. So I'm not, I'm not here to heal you. I'm here to tell you who can. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to tell you who can. I'm not here to change. I'm here to tell you you can. I'm not going to tell you you can walk up in here, live like the devil, walk up out here, live like the devil, and God going to ignore all your devilishness because I touched you upside your head. What I will tell you is you can walk up here and decide I'm going to be emptied of self, cleansed of sin, filled with the Spirit. I'm going to yield to the Holy Ghost. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to change my ways to be aligned with the Spirit of God. I'm going to get out the bad. I'm going to get into good. I'm going to trust God for the power with which to do it. And when the Holy Ghost starts flowing through you, them mountains in front of you that would not move God moves enemies are conquered 
And then last week we saw, he shall bring forth the headstone. I mean, you, you just, what a blessing. When all of a sudden he brings that headstone. I mean, he started building the foundation. Now he's capping it off with the headstone. So he's, he's sealing. And, and, and here's what he's saying. When, when, when the finishing touches are put on the temple, here's the explanation. This is what we talked about last week. With shoutings, crying, grace, grace. That's what the Holy... Remember Jesus said the, the, the comfort will come, the Holy Spirit will come. He should not speak of himself, but he shall speak of me. Here's my objection to the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement presents a Holy Spirit that always talks about the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. Jesus said the Spirit going to talk about Jesus. So when the Spirit shows up at Crossroads Baptist Church, everybody in the church ought to be looking at Jesus. The, Spirit, the Spirit's not less than Jesus. He's not more than the Spirit. But the Spirit knows that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is the one through whom salvation must come. So when the Spirit draws you to God, when the Father sends the Spirit to draw you to God, you respond to the Spirit. The Spirit then points you to Jesus because your faith in Jesus allows God who sent Jesus to put the Holy Ghost in. Oh my goodness gracious. The, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. The Father thought it. God, God thought it. Amen. Jesus bought it. Cha-ching. Amen. The Holy Spirit brought it. Amen. The devil fought it. But I still caught it. This is what this is what this is what God is saying. I'm trying to work through you. Does your life sound forth of grace? I mean, is there grace coming out of you that, that people can hear every time, every time you speak? Grace, 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 grace. Listen, when mountains that could never move in your life become plains, there's only one explanation. Grace. Look at verse 9. 8 says, more of the word of the Lord came unto me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also what? Come on, talk to me. His hand shall also what? You ever been around people that can't never finish nothing? I know some contractors like that. Huh? Oh, when they get started off, they're real good. But how many of you know the worst thing is something that got started good that ain't finished? And then you can't find them. Boy, you were gung-ho. When I paid you, you showed up. You early in the morning, coming up whistling in the morning. <laughs> you not only brought your own lunch, you brought me lunch. Now I've been three weeks. I'm trying to get, I, listen, I got a sink, but I don't have no faucet. Huh? The wall's been sanded, but they haven't been painted. Huh? I mean, the bathroom has been cut out, but we don't have no tile on it. And now I can't find, now your phone don't work. You know what happens with contractors like that? They have spent all your money. Be careful when they want everything up front. Amen. They want everything up front because you're never going to see the back. All right. <laughs> Now listen to what God says when you let my spirit flow, flow through you. You will finish it. You said I do. Now finish it. I'm talking to every married man in the building. 
You said I do. Don't tell God I can, I can't. You got up here and said I do. Don't talk about you can. You said I do because God was working through you. Now you're working by yourself talking about I can. Of course you can. You couldn't when you said I do the first time. It was God then, it's God now. I can't preach. You couldn't preach when he first called you, but you said I will. So if you got to lean on him to get saved, you got to lean on him to serve him. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I cannot tithe. I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. You need God in on your money. Malachi says, well, a man robbed God. That's kind of harsh, pastor. I didn't say it. Malachi did. And Malachi didn't make it up. The Holy Ghost told him. Well, a man robbed God. How? In tithes and offerings. Now you imagine somebody who robbed you every week coming to ask you for money. Somebody went in my car recently. I left the car door unlocked at home. I'm in a nice neighborhood. I thought. <laughs> I, I cashed something and left it. And I got up the next day and I went to go looking for it. And uh, I, clearly someone had been through my console. I ain't going to tell you how much he took. It just hurts to just even think about it. And I went everywhere. I mean, I looked in. I looked, listen, I looked in pants I couldn't even fit no more for, for that money. <laughs> Lord Jesus. And it was sitting in one of those two Bank of America envelopes. That's what it was. So I went to walk that day. And I went up my driveway, take a left out of my driveway while I was walking. You know there were two empty Bank of America envelopes there right there. So he, somebody, somebody. The cops, I called the cops. I was trying everything. I said, try the fingerprints. Can you just get the fingerprints off the thing? He said, sir, that's not really reliable. And he said, if we really do a fingerprint test, that means we got to sprinkle a bunch of powder all over your uh, car. I said, well, let's not do the fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> he said, most of the time it's drug folk. They'll leave more valuable stuff in your car than the cash and just taste the cash because they want something so they can get something fast. You know what happens with that guy? He finds out after a while that he's looking for something to satisfy him, but what he can buy with that money doesn't satisfy long term, but he doesn't have any money anymore. Here's what God says. I'm not a contractor that gets started and then taps out. See, when God is your source of strength, you never have to wake up one day as a Christian and say, my supplier ran out. No, he doesn't run out. He always has the power. As long as I'm linked to the supplier, I never run out. Fellas, let's get John 15 up there. I didn't plan to go there. Let's go to John 15. It's a good passage of scripture. Go to John chapter 15. And let's look at... Jesus, talking about abiding in me. John chapter 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Verse 2, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now look at verse 4. Abide in me. Everybody circle the word abide in your Bible. Abide. Here's what it means. Remain. 
continue, stay, and stay put. It's what a whole bunch of you that want to pastor and hurry up and finish preaching are going to do after I finish. <laughs> Abide in here. <laughs> and I should have just kept preaching. Because you don't have nowhere to go. <laughs> now, here's what Jesus says. When you're saved, watch this now, the Holy Ghost lives in you. So he's, he's not talking about keeping yourself safe. He's talking about the fellowship that happens with the believer where I don't just hang with Jesus for an hour at church. I abide with him all week long. I stay with him. I stay with him. I'm leaving church, but I ain't leaving Jesus here. I wonder how many people walk with God. They don't even carry their Bibles home. Well, I got a church Bible and a home Bible. That sounds good. Abide, abide. That means meditate on me. Go to work and take me with you. Now, we, we understand that Jesus is, is in us through the Holy Spirit of God. But what he's simply saying is, don't, don't, just, don't just visit me. Don't, don't, listen, don't, don't drive through to see Jesus. Abide. Here's what happens when, when I abide. Abide in me as I, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, verse 4, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Walk outside and find a branch that's not connected to a living tree, and I'll find you a branch that can no longer grow. You say, well, you know, it's got fruit on it. They ain't going to stay long. It grew fruit when it was connected. It stops growing once it gets disconnected. The branch doesn't get life from the branch itself. The branch gets life from the vine. The vine has life. And the branch has no life unless it's connected to the vine. Look what he said in verse number five. I am the vine. Somebody say amen to that. Ye are the branch. Listen, folks, we are not all that, but he is. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Are you listening to me now? He didn't say you can't be a good Christian without me. You can't be a great Christian without me. You can't be a super Christian without me. You can be an average Christian without me. Ye can do nothing without me. Ladies and gentlemen, this Christianity, I don't care how much we learn to hold microphones, we learn to sing songs, we learn to teach classes, we learn to put together sermons, we learn to dress up for church. We can learn it all and memorize it all. But until the child of God learns, my connectivity is, results in my productivity. And when I'm disconnected from Jesus, I I don't care how long I've been saved. I can do nothing without him. Now go back to Zechariah 4 and let me give you this and we can go home. Or you can abide. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation. Verse 9. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall finish it. Next thing. And thou shalt what? Thou shalt know that the who? The Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. Are you listening? God says when he finishes it. Huh? The enemies are conquered. The explanation is clear. The endeavor is completed. Amen. And he says, thou shalt know 
that the Lord of hosts have sent me unto you. Watch this now. When you live the Christian life, which is impossible to live without God, when you live it, everybody around you knows God had to do it through you. Now look at verse 10, and I'm done. Who hath despised the day of small things? If you're taking notes now, the word despised in the Bible is not like we use the word hatred. Okay? It really means to belittle. The Bible says Esau despised his birthright when he sold it to Jacob. Uh, he despised it. He belittled it. He, watch this now. Here's, a, here's even a better definition. It's to devalue. Now, now look, listen, listen, to, listen to Zachariah talk. God. Who have despised the day of small? Watch, watch. Here, here's, here's, here's this rhetorical question. Who out there in the world devalues small things? Because there's already somebody in your family that say, you ain't going to live for God. I know where you came from. I know what you did. You know what they're saying? Small things can't do big things. And you have to say, no, 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 you have to say, yeah, but you don't know what small things can do when God's spirit starts working in. For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. Now, uh, I'm not handy. I'm just not. Like, I probably would be better off hiring somebody to hang a picture. But then, uh, I'm just not. I don't, I don't have the gift. It would cost me more money to correct my mess than it would be to hire somebody. But there's some handy people in the building, right? All of you handy guys. Anybody know what a plummet is? You know what a plummet is? A plumb line, okay? What's it used for? Make sure something's level or balanced. Okay? And, and, and typically, you do that after you've done some work, right? You, know, you, want balance, you ain't done nothing, you balance. What, what are you checking the balance on? Okay? So, so you've laid something down. Look what he says. Shall see, they shall rejoice, and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. So, so watch this now. Zerubbabel basically is walking and overlooking the project as an inspector. Oh, I mean, Inspectors are not fun to see, are they? Unless you got it right. Somebody help me preach. Tests ain't fun unless you study. Some of you say, no, Pastor, I studied. They still ain't fun. <laughs> but, but listen, when you, when you know your building meets code, when, when, you, when you know things are level, when you know you measured it, when you know it's been built properly, and the final inspection comes in. Here, people send me prayer. Pray for, pray for Pastor. We're having the final inspection on our house, on our building. Here, here somebody's going to come through. He's, you, you, you lay the plumb line now to make sure something's left. Now, watch this now. Here's, here's what, here is what Zerubbabel is doing. He's coming through as the governor, right? And he's coming through, and he's coming through and inspecting. And when they see him walking through with that plumbing in his hand, watch this now. When they see Zerubbabel at the end showing up to look at that temple that's been built with that plummet in his hand. Everybody's going to know, didn't he do it? With those seven, enemies conquered, explanation clear, endeavor completed. Now watch this now, efforts are covered. How are we going, listen, how is this job going to get done and covered? You don't want to be working on a job in construction and not have insurance. Can I get an amen? You don't want to be working for someone that doesn't have insurance. Right? 
You fell off the ladder. We sorry, we ain't have insurance. All right, so you, you, you want your efforts covered. Hey, Christian, aren't you glad that we're not out there working without insurance? God is covering us. Notice he said our efforts are covered. He says, he says with those seven, those seven, seven is the number of completion. Seven is the number of perfection. Seven is the number of God. You look through the scripture, seven days in a week, you look in the book of Revelation, seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven vows, seven days of the week. I mean, we, we talk about the number of God, the number seven. He said he's got those seven eyes. What are those seven eyes showing us? Number one, his distinct providence. His eyes are running throughout the earth. God provided what we needed to get the job done, but not only his distinct providence, his divine perception. His eyes are running throughout the whole earth. Here's what God said. While you're building that building, you don't have to look out for yourself. You got to watch your back. You don't have to worry about your enemies. You don't have to worry about your haters. You build like I build. Watch the seven eyes watching. You're covered. You look at scripture and find throughout scripture, God always uses small things. Somebody in the building is here and say, Pastor, you know, I, I just, I, I, I don't know if God can do what he wants to do through me. I'm I'm just not enough. When was anybody God used ever enough? Well, Pastor, I'm going through a tough trial. That's, that's, that's what God specializes in it. I want you to get you something to think about. This, this encourages me. Because some people don't think they're qualified for God to use them. Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob lied. Leo was cross-eyed. <laughs> Bible called it tender-eyed. In, in, in the scripture, that meant she was ugly. <laughs> Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer and stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was too young. Timothy was timid. David committed murder and adultery. Elijah was suicide, suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once, and the man she was with wasn't hers. Zacharias was too short. Paul was a murderer. Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. Now, don't tell me God can't use you. Amen? He can. He can. Who hath despised the day of small things? God, I, I don't think I can accomplish it. Yeah. It's never been you. Next week, we look at the end of this passage of Scripture because Zechariah is going to ask some questions about those branches. And God's going to answer them. This week, I want you to think about it. Look at all the people God used. If he used them, can he use you? Heads. heads bowed eyes closed no one looking around pastor 
I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. If you know that, would you raise your hand? I know that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. Would you raise your hand? God bless you all over the building. Thank you. Pastor, you may put your hands down. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But I'm struggling with some that some of what these Jews were struggling with. I, I feel too small. I'm, I'm reminded of my past. I'm embarrassed about my failures. I'm, I'm fearful of the task ahead. Pastor, I need to be reminded of what God reminded these people that through his spirit, my enemies can be conquered. My endeavor can be completed. My explanation can be clear. My efforts can be covered. God's providence and God's perception will cover me when I can't cover myself. I need to embrace that encouragement by conviction, knowing that God does not lie. Please pray for me. I need that encouragement in what I'm facing. Now, wow, some of your hands up before I could even get it out. Good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Why don't you take some time to pray right there where you are? Because we, we can't keep using these reasons as excuses. We've all been there. We've all, we've all told God why, why we couldn't do something. And, and I tell you, it's probably why we're not doing a better job at what we're supposed to be doing. You have to go in his spirit's power. And let me ask you one more question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. This is me speaking for you. This is you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I'm 100% sure I do not want to go to hell. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I have doubts about it. But I sure would like to know for sure that I'm going to heaven because I know I don't want to go to hell. If that's you, would you let me pray for you? I'll not call your name out. I just want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody like that? Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else, young lady? God bless you, I see your hand. Anyone else? You can put it down. Anyone else that didn't raise your hand? Just long enough for me to see it, would you? Anyone else? Thank you, I see the child's hand. The Spirit's power. My life's in a mess, Pastor. Then let the Spirit work through you. Resolve to. Now, there's a whole lot practical, a lot of practical stuff in Scripture that will talk about how the Spirit, the most, listen, the most practical way through which the Spirit works is through God's Word. You've got to have a relationship with God's Word. You've got to be reading your Bible every day. You've got to do it. And the longer you read it, the sooner it reads you. Yes. Our Father, help us. We need so much help. My, my, my. And I pray that you'll help us to be working in us. through us. I want to be I want to be a pastor through whom the spirit can work.
as a demonstration of grace. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name.